gunpowder, treason and plot. I see no reason why gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. My mum used to quote that rhyme every year to remind us of the real reason behind Bonfire Night, the failed plot to destroy Parliament in 1605. Well, you're going to have to decide for yourself if there's any fireworks this morning. <laughs> I def definitely don't intend any kind of treason. I do have a plot. So what am I plotting? So we're continuing our series on Philippians, living the joyful life, focusing our attention on chapter 2 in verses 19 to 30. As you can see up there, I'm plotting to have you leave this place, wanting to be a fellow worker in God's kingdom. Don't just look at me and listen to what I've got to say, though. Listen out for what God is speaking to you personally. So this morning's plot goes like this. We'll think about who Timothy was and what qualities Paul saw in him. We'll do the same for Epaphroditus. And then we'll have a look at how we can be useful to our leaders and to God in fulfilling his purposes. So let's read together. <coughs> Philippians 2, 19 to 30, that goes up. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and only, not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I might be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honour such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So I asked Google to come up with a picture of Timothy for me. And Google gave me that. Timothy grew up in a place called Lystra, which is in Turkey now. His mother, Eunice, was a Jewish woman who converted to Christianity, as was his grandmother, Lois. But his father was a Greek. Paul came across Timothy on his first missionary journey and took him along with him there, from there. You'll find the beginning of this in Acts chapter 16. So Paul took some time to train Timothy, probably to be strong in faith and in the gospel, and he went with Paul on his second missionary journey. 
he stayed in Berea, and he went with, with Silas at one point, while Paul was sent elsewhere. Timothy also went to Corinth, Greece, Rome, Ephesus, Macedonia, sometimes with Paul, sometimes going ahead and waiting for him. I wonder what Paul saw in Timothy when they first met, as in, what was it that God showed him? Just as I wonder what Jesus saw when he met his disciples. Certainly Timothy knew the scriptures. His mother will have taught him well. So in this passage, Paul describes Timothy as one who is genuinely concerned for people's welfare. Can you identify with that? I know quite a few people here that care about the people around them. Timothy was also concerned about serving Jesus and not himself. It's really important that we do things that serve God and the gospel and not think, do things just because it makes us look good. Timothy acted like a son and he worked alongside Paul, treating him as a father. What does that mean? So when I was growing up, my dad built an extension on our house. He built foundations, bricks, did the plastering, did the plumbing, did all the electrical stuff. To the best of my knowledge, the only thing he didn't do was waterproof the roof. Of course, he couldn't have me, a 10-year-old, laying down bricks. But I could bring bricks to him. I could hold the end of the wood while he cut it. I could unwrap electrical sockets and hand him the pliers. I helped my dad build that extension as much as I could. With energy, enthusiasm, and a permanent smile. I loved helping my dad. He trusted me to do lots of different things. And it got to be that I was able to anticipate some of the things he needed. We had a bond, kind of a father-child thing, that included trust, mutual respect, and, of course, humour. So all of these things are character traits rather than skills or abilities. It's not so much what you can do that counts with God, but who you are and how willing you are to serve. He takes care of the rest. So here's Epaphroditus handing over the gift to Paul. We don't actually know much about Epaphroditus. He was sent to Paul, who was imprisoned in Rome at the time, with a gift from the church in Philippi. I don't want to say too much more about that, in case Darren wants to talk about it in a few weeks' time. Because Epaphroditus is only mentioned twice in the Bible, here and in the passage that Darren will be speaking on later in this series. I don't even know for sure if he was a church leader. The church must have trusted Epaphroditus, though, because they sent him with a substantial gift. They needed to have known not just that 
Epaphroditus himself was trustworthy and wouldn't run off with the gift. But also that he knew how to give, keep the gift safe on a long journey. Paul here describes him as a brother, which is another close family term. He's also Paul's fellow worker, fellow soldier. So I guess he got stuck into the work when he arrived in Rome. Remember, Paul was imprisoned, so his guards were his mission field. I wonder if Timothy and Epaphroditus went out preaching as Paul would. I guess they probably did. Epaphroditus got stuck, got sick in Rome and almost died. And this is why Paul was sending him home. So his church could receive him, take care of him and treat him with honour. Again, these are character traits, more than skills and abilities. So what about us? Bear in mind this is about living the joyful life. Remember I asked you to listen out for what God is speaking to you personally. Well, if you haven't been already, now is definitely the time for that. Just as Paul saw something in Timothy and Jesus saw something in his disciples, God sees something in you and he's ready to lead you into doing something with him. So Robert Catesby, Guy Fawkes and their fellow plotters believed the wrong things, believing that inflicting violence is a legitimate way to get things done would be an example of wrong beliefs. But they were willing to die for their beliefs. Jesus, our God, came to earth as a man in order to die to save us from our sins and God's wrath. The Apostle Paul and many, many other Christians have given their lives for the sake of the gospel, including to have the Bible translated into English and other languages so you and I can understand it for ourselves. Am I saying that we should all suffer and die for our faith? If I'm honest, in this country, in current circumstances, it's probably unlikely that we're going to die for our faith. Although some people have been arrested and put in prison. But we can each do something according to what God wants from us. So I'm going to borrow a couple of verses from last week. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Don't do anything for God, by the way. Always work with him. Holding on to your heavenly dad's hand every step of the way. So, Claire and the band didn't have 
much idea what I was going to be saying today. Two words, fellow workers, was all they had. I had no idea what songs they were going to bring. And yet if you listen to the theme that's come through the worship, it's really connected with what I'm saying. One of the things that Paul wrote to Timothy was this. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. doesn't matter if you're two or 102. God can still work in and through you. I only managed to get to one of the Catalyst festivals before lockdown happened and stopped them. But I remember in one of the meetings they brought some of the children out of the rather excellent, actually, kids' work onto the stage in our meeting because they had words for people. So this was Victoria's age group, so we're talking 9, 10, 11 years old. Some of those words were remarkably accurate. Pain in quite specific areas that God wanted to heal. I seem to remember somebody's ankle. And people in the congregation were putting up their hands to acknowledge, number one, the word, but also their healing. Don't ever underestimate those people that have gone out to kids and youth this morning. They're the now church, as well as being tomorrow's church. Let me read you something that Jesus said. It's in John 14. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So you can pray. Every believer can pray and God is glorified. Of course, you have to pray God's will into being on earth. How do you know God's will? Well, you can pray and ask him. Do you know, I always think we miss prayer as something that we can do but you shouldn't do anything with God without it. I guess you can think of prayer as the doing before the going out and doing. Even if, for whatever reason, you're not able to do the going out and doing. In community groups, we're doing the Naturally Supernatural course. In that first week, Wendy talks about showing kindness as a way to minister to people. As we discussed the video, there were lots of stories within the group of people of people showing kindness in just such natural ways. Just having chats with people in the supermarket comes to mind. When I can, 
It's getting a bit dark at the minute. I walk through the woods on the way to the train station to go to work. And I see a lot of people walking their dogs. I always just smile and say hello. And people really appreciate that connection. Nothing else. Just a small act of kindness. So before we have a look at these spiritual gifts, it's important to remember the natural talents we have. And there is a difference. As I was preparing for today, I read somewhere, and I forgot to write down where, (laughs) that talents are things you were born with. Spiritual gifts are things you were born again with. In both cases, they start with God and you need to practice and use them. Thinking of the musicians that led us in worship this morning. Playing instruments and singing are talents, but doing them well takes a lot of practice. Leading us into God's manifest presence. You know those times when you've feel like you just could just reach out and touch him. That's the gift. Because somebody who doesn't believe in God can't do it. But it still gets better with practice. And for the tech team, plugging in wires, setting everything up and putting the right slide up. It's talent but it takes practice to do it correctly and efficiently so that things work. But when is the detecting person, you're in tune with where the spirit wants to take the service and you're working in partnership with the band or the preacher at the front, yeah, you discover a gift. So I've put three lists of spiritual gifts up on the wall, colour-coded, to three Bible passages. So the red ones relate to 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 to 11 and 28. The green ones to Romans 12, 6 to 8. And the blue ones to Ephesians 4, 11 to 12. These aren't necessarily a complete list. So Paul wrote these lists to three different groups of people. And he didn't greatly repeat the gifts. Although prophecy and teaching appear quite a lot. So how do these land in your spirit? Are you gifted as an apostle? In prophecy? In evangelism? As a pastor and teacher? Do you have a gift of wisdom? Or knowledge? or faith, or healing, or miracles, or discerning of spirits, or speaking in tongues and interpreting tongues, or administration, or helping? Are you gifted to serve others, to exhort or stir people up, or give? We've just had a whole series on giving. Or leadership, or mercy, you have no idea what your gifts and talents are. I'm sure the people that know you can probably help you with that. So I'd like to invite our talented and gifted band back
to play what God has given them to play whenever they're ready. And just as they come back, if you can, just stand with me. Let's just take a moment to allow all of this to settle into your spirit. Close your eyes to help you to focus. What is God saying to you? What is it that God has seen in you? Is there something getting in the way of you partnering with God in something? I'd like us to pray about that. just want to give you a minute or two to allow you to hear what God wants to speak into your heart and then we'll pray together and finish with a song You know, as I was preparing for today, I felt that God was saying that there was somebody quite deeply affected by somebody significant in their lives saying, I wish you'd never been born. If you relate to that, just as everyone has their eyes closed. Just put your hand up so that I can see and pray for you. Thank you. Is there anybody else? So I'd like all of us, as a church, to pray this, to pray after me. I break agreement with the lie that I am unwanted and insignificant. I choose to believe and declare the truth that I am a child of God. He chose me before the foundation of the world and he has made me holy and blameless before him. He knitted me together in my mother's womb. Amen. And if you're affected, if you're the one that's affected, just very quietly pray this with me and saying the person's name. Person, I forgive you.
for wishing I'd never been born. And I release you into God's mercy and grace. Amen. Father, for all of us, we're your church. Yeah, we need your power in us. I pray you reveal something of your plans for us as individuals and as a church. In the name of Jesus, I break the power of anything and everything that seeks to hinder your purposes in us and through us. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. Speak to each one of us and stir our hearts to begin to use the gifts and talents you have given us. Amen. Oh,